You're listening to episode 29 of the Journey to Launch podcast, How to Become a Money Nerd with Whitney Hansen. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 everyone. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. Question, it's funny because you know how I have this whole rocket launch and it's all like a build up like five, four, three, two, one. And then I come on like, hey, like, (laughs) am I not exciting enough? I had a feedback, not recently, when I first, first started that I should be way more energetic because the whole rocket launch is like such a big build up. And then like I get on like, hey, guys. (laughs) What do you think? I think I still sound energetic. So, okay, let's hop into what this point of the episode is about. So I have a special treat for you. I have our guest, Whitney Hansen, who is a fellow podcaster and money nerd. And I'll talk a little bit about who Whitney is and why you should care and why you need to listen to this episode. But I think you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy hearing her story about paying off debt, what she did to do that starting her business, WhitneyHanson.com and the Money Nurse podcast and how she is basically on her way to financial freedom through her efforts. And we'll get into more of that in her interview. Before we get started, wanted to say if you are enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. That's if you listen on iTunes. Now, if you do not listen on iTunes, totally fine. You can find this podcast anywhere that you find podcasts. So just share, continue sharing this with your friends, continue getting the word out there. And that's how we make this podcast grow. A couple other things before we get into Whitney's bio and just more about the episode. Next, if you want to join me more on this journey. So if you love the podcast, you want to connect more, there are a few ways you can do that. You can join the private Facebook group. So go to journeytolaunch.com slash community and it will redirect you to the Facebook group or just type in journey to launch in Facebook or just join the weekly newsletter. So I sent out a weekly newsletter to my mailing list, just telling everyone that's on what's going on with the podcast, what's going on with me. So if you want to stay up to date, just go to my site, journeytolaunch.com and sign up for any of the things (laughs) that you can sign up for. Also, other ways to connect, follow me on social media. I'm on all social media as Journey to Launch. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, as Journey to Launch. Also, I want to talk a little bit about the CBS segment. So last week, I told you guys that I was going to be featured on CBS News, New York, and it came on last Tuesday. So if you're listening to this in real time, this was a segment that came out a week ago. So now I've seen the segment and I kind of just want to reflect back on what has happened (laughs) or kind of my whole thought process around this whole CBS thing. So I'll talk about it after Whitney's interview. Okay, so let's get into who Whitney is and what this interview is about. Whitney Hansen is a personal finance coach and entrepreneur. She teaches overwhelmed millennials how to pay off debt and be financially independent. And she gives them the tools to have more fun with their money. And she's a bit silly. She admits this herself. And so it just makes her content a little bit more fun. Also, her big accomplishments are paying off $30,000 of debt in 10 months 
buying her first home at 19 and only paying $472 towards her master's degree. So obviously she has a journey. She has a story to share with us for all of us who want to just learn how to be more efficient with our money. So just a couple of things that we talk about with Whitney. Obviously, we talk about her background, how she managed her money, how she managed to pay off all that debt, what she did, working the double jobs, really understanding what she needed to do and the goals that she had to reach what she needed. Also, we're going to talk about her entrepreneurship journey. So she's a coach. She has a podcast. She has a blog. She really has a personal finance platform now where she's helping other people. And she's actually leaving her job full time to do that. And so obviously that's of interest to me because you guys know that one day I'd love to follow in those footsteps. So we're going to hear a little bit more about that in the interview. So if you want the episode show notes and you want to hear more or see more about what we talk about, just go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 29. Okay, let's hop into this interview with Whitney. I am so excited to have Whitney Hansen on the podcast. Hi, Whitney. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Of course. And I'm going to have you introduce yourself to my audience, but you are the chief money nerd, right? Is what you'd call yourself? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so talk a little bit about who you are, your background, and just about being a chief money nerd. Love it. Yeah, happy to. So my name is Whitney Hansen. I blog at WhitneyHansen.com. More than anything, I tend to be a money coach for females. So I try to help people pay off debt, live on a budget. So very much pre-financial independence, retiring early stage. So I'm very much in the trenches there. So I'm a podcaster myself. I think that's actually how we connected was through the Money Summit and just podcasting in general, kind of our nerdy love for it. And that's a little bit about what I do. So I have courses, I've got free resources, that's all fun stuff. But how I got there, I think is probably more interesting for people. Because my journey to personal finance, it was not something that was talked about in my home growing up. And I know that's like a very common thing for people where we try to get our education from our family, but our family's not really talking about money or at least as helpfully talking about money as they should be. So I went through life trying to figure stuff out on my own. So that included taking out as many student loans as I possibly could, which for me amounted to $30,000. And then looking at that and thinking, there's got to be a better way to do this stuff. Like I cannot actually have to Mm. sign up for $30,000. There's got to be a better way. And so that's where it all started. And then put together a plan to pay it all off. And started to learn more about personal finance, retirement, investing, and just different ways of living. So that's Mm kind of where it all began. Now, can I ask you what you got your degree in? Because I'm always interested to know when people take out a lot of student loan, if what they got their degree in, if they thought it was worth the degree or if it was a good return on their investment. Oh, that's such a good question. I've got very mixed feelings on higher ed and college educations in general, but my bachelor's was in accounting. So that's where I I accumulated all of the student loans. And then I have my master's in business, which I figured out a way to not have to take out student loans for that. So that's my formal education. Okay. All right. And when you talk about you had $30,000 in debt, one of the things you talk about a lot on your blog and on your podcast is how you got out of that debt and in a pretty short time, right? 10 months? 10 months. Yeah, I was hustling. I know you have some gold nuggets in here and there are a lot of people who are in debt right now listening. So can you share your journey to paying off that debt, like what you did, some of those hacks? 
Yeah, of course. Happy to. So it initially started the day of my graduation should have been the happiest day. But for me, it wasn't because I learned very recently that I had to pay back all that money. (laughs) So I was like, oh, crap, I actually do have to pay this back. That's not good. And so I remember holding that piece of paper with the total amount and thinking, oh, my gosh, I wish I would have worked a little bit more in college or just did things differently. And so it should have been a happy day. It wasn't. So what I did all through undergrad to kind of support myself was I worked as a nail tech. So cosmetology school, I did manicures and pedicures. That was my goal. And that was my way of getting through school. And so I had dreamed of quitting that job. As you can imagine, working in the salon is not very fun. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Right. And doing pedicures is great. It paid the bills, but it wasn't definitely not my passion. And so I had this decision point in my life where I got a job as a staff accountant. So that was already lined up. And then I had that decision of, do I still keep doing nails and doing something that I'm sick of? Or do I just focus on my accounting and my career? So this was kind of the decision I was going through. And for me, it made more sense to work both jobs and just continue working that salon and then saving every single one of my accounting paychecks. So my accounting income was bigger than my salon income by quite a bit, actually. But I already knew I could survive on my salon income because I've been doing it for a long time. So I actually didn't touch a single accounting paycheck for almost two years. I kept doing the two-job thing Mm -hmm. to kind of build up some cash. And so that was probably one of the biggest, I guess, tricks is that second income to paying off debt quickly. And then it was kind of the daily stuff. So for me, it was no Starbucks, which was really hard for me. (laughs) Right. Kind of a coffee addict. So no Starbucks and no eating out whatsoever. And so that was the two bigger sacrifices that I made. And I was seriously just living like a bum. I rented my house out. I moved in with my boyfriend, now fiance. I saved a little bit of money there, sold all of my furniture, all of my amazing furniture that I was so excited that I purchased it on my own. That was what gave me a big, I think it was like $1,500 off the get-go towards the debt. So I started to get really excited about the plan. So that's kind of where it began. And then like little tips and tricks that I felt were really helpful and people think are super nerdy and that's okay, is I actually taped my budget to my debit card. And so the reason I did that is every time I went to swipe my card, I had to see my budget. I had to be reminded of what my plan was. And then more than anything, it also acted as like a barrier. So before I made a purchase or did something stupid with my money that wasn't in my budget, I would see that and be reminded of my goal. And so that's a little thing, but it made a huge difference and saved me multiple times. Right. And I mean, that's the mental part of it too, right? We all know what we should be doing, but sometimes we need those reminders. So that's a good trick to have those reminders up, whether it's on your fridge or on your debit card or credit card, something that says, wait, stop, consider what you're doing. (laughs) And if it's aligned with your goals. Yeah, exactly the case. I think anything you can do to put the post-its around your house, put your budget on your debit card, people will come over to my house even today. And I have for right now, this season in my life is hustling. So I have hustle written all over my house and people are like, what the heck is going on here? But for me, that's what I need. I need that visual reminder every single day. And so it works. It definitely does. In regards to the post-it notes, I think that's so important because we need those visual reminders. Sometimes it's really the mental, like we know what we should be doing, but sometimes we forget because life gets in the way or we get a bit lazy about it. So I like the visual reminders, especially like you mentioned, the post-it notes or the putting something on your debit card or on your credit card, like a sticky note to say, all right, is this aligned with your goals? 
Mm-hmm. Totally. I think it, it's super helpful. And you've got to know your personality type too. So for me, and it sounds like for you as well, having those little visual reminders or like your goals that are framed or whatever it is, that's a good, helpful reminder of what you're working towards because paying off debt especially is not fun. It actually sucks. And when you're in that process, it can feel like it's never ending. And so being able to see maybe it's your debt-free day on your post-it note, on your bathroom mirror and on in your car and on your budget and like everywhere, it helps you remember like, oh, this is why I'm doing this. Right. This is why I'm working so hard. And another thing you mentioned was about living off of your main income, like you're not living off of uh-huh. the bigger income, kind of living like you were living in college. And we talk about this all the time. I talk about it. I know a lot of people in personal finance talk about it, but if you're able to not have lifestyle inflation that creep up of expenses and are able to live simply like you did in college, you would be able to save and cut back so much on your expenses. So I think it's pretty notable that that's what you were able to do. I think it's a great way to go. Yeah. If you can swing it, even if you can't necessarily live on only one income, if you can live on an income and a half, even you're going to be so much further ahead with your financial goals. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And like you talked about, you had two jobs. So you did sacrifice your time and some of the things you liked, but it was for a reason. Like you said, you were focused on paying off this debt. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it was not fun. It was 70 to 80 hour work weeks. And I continued that until I joined the master's in business program. But it was kind of addicting. Like once you get into it and you see, okay, debt's gone. Now what else can I do? How much savings can I bank up? It's really exciting, which sounds super weird, but you change your focus and it becomes more I guess, intentional and more stimulating for you than spending money on eating out and vacations. It just changes your focus. Right. And oh my gosh, I say this too all the time because you know how sometimes a lot of people before they have this financial realization, they monitor their happiness or they get the success or they feel that accomplishment when they maybe buy things and acquire things. But I say this all the time. Once you get on a roll with your finances, once you start saving more, once you see that debt going down, that savings account increase, it's a high. It's just as equally (laughs) exciting as going out and maybe buying a bag. It's really exciting to see that. (laughs) So true. One of my coaching clients, we were talking earlier today, and she just paid off one of her credit cards. So she's super excited. And one of the things she said is she's like, yeah, I listened to a lot of personal finance podcasts. And a lot of them say that they sold their car. I don't think I'm there yet. I was (laughs) like, girl, give it time. Like, (laughs) you might actually be there. You never know. Right. All right. So you paid off the $30,000 in about 10 months, which is a huge accomplishment. And then you talked about something on one of your blogs about the secrets to paying off student loan debt. Can you talk about some of those secrets? Yeah. So one of the things that kind of irritates me with student loans is that when you go to make a payment, it doesn't allow you to pay extra towards the principal. So towards the amount that you actually borrowed. And it's very unfortunate. So most of the time they're putting it towards interest. A little bit goes towards principal, of course, but it's mostly towards interest. And so it's very interesting. And you've got to look at the way that they calculate the interest piece. But a lot of times it's like when you make a payment, and you make just your normal payment, say it's $250, and your plan is to pay an extra $100 a month. So you want to put that towards as much of the principal as possible. Depending on how they calculate your interest, most of the time, if you pay a payment the very next day, more of that is going to go towards the principal amount. And so it's a little thing, and you've got to run the numbers to see if it actually works for your situation. But for a lot of people, that's a good little hack that can help your money go further. So make your normal payment, 
and then you can make an additional payment that interest hasn't exactly been calculated on yet, depending on how it's compounded, of course. So you're talking more about making payments back to back. Do you have to call your loan provider and tell them? Is it like a mortgage where you can tell them, apply this to the principal? Or it's more of if you pay it back to back, it kind of gets automatically applied. That's exactly the case. Unfortunately, you can't pay the extra towards principal for most student loans, like for federal student loans. They just don't allow you to do that, which is really frustrating. But that's kind of the way their system is structured. So you could make a phone call and just say that you don't necessarily want that to go towards your next payment. That's probably a good idea just to tell them like, hey, I'm actually paying this extra $100. I don't want that $100 to count towards my next month's payment. Mm. So I would definitely call the first time to make sure it's set up correctly. Okay. I mean, I think that's a good little hack a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, it saves a couple hundred dollars. Over the long run, if you do the math on it, it does save a little bit of cash. So it's kind of a good way to go. Mm -hmm. One of the other things you talk about a lot, which is why I like the holistic approach to you talking about finances, is how important it is to set intentions in all areas of your life and how that translates to your finances. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, it's a good thing to talk about because so many times we think that we're trying to get our money together for the sake of getting our money together, but we're not looking at holistically what does that do for every other area of our life. And so there's lots of different areas. There's usually seven areas that you set goals in. Most of the people know about personal finance. So it's our financial goals. We've got our family goals. We've got our religious goals, if that's something that's important to you too. You've got all of these different areas, your career goals. But ultimately, it's like if you're setting a goal, and it's a goal that is going to help you build up your discipline skills. So living on a budget totally works for this. Getting your butt to the gym also works. Did you ever read The Power of Habit? No, I have not, but I've heard of it. Oh, It's on my list. I need to send you that book. It is my favorite book ever. So those are called keystone habits. So it's habits that when you start to implement those into your life, it starts to trickle over into other areas as well. And so the budgeting, tracking what you eat is another one. So what it does is when you're doing these steps, you don't actually have to make any drastic changes. You start to self-regulate. You start to see, oh, I'm eating cookies right when I get off work. That's what's causing my weight gain or whatever it might be. So you can start to make those changes without actually having to stick to a diet or stick to a budget. And so that's a good way to go. But I love when you're setting goals to think through, how is this going to make me a happier person overall? Because living on a budget is not fun. But if you're looking at I'm living on a budget because I'm trying to buy a sweet new house or this amazing brand new car, that's a different kind of motivator. And it's going to make you a lot more likely to stick with that. It makes a lot more sense for people to see how it fits together. And I like it in relation to budgeting because as you know, a lot of people are very afraid of the word budget. <laughs> They're very adverse to the topic. So when you can look at your budget and align it with your goals and not just your financial goals, so maybe not just saving for a house, but like you said, maybe I want to eat healthier. Mm -hmm. So how can my grocery budget align with eating better? And maybe that means not eating out as much because going out to eat, I can't control what other people put in food. So I think Yep. Being able to look at that holistic approach is very helpful when it comes to budgeting. Yeah, it's a big deal. And I don't know about you, Jamila, but I'm a big fan of the smart goals approach too, of making it very specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, timely. I think if you can have your goals fit into that, it tends to work pretty good for me, at least. I'm not sure about you. Oh, yes. I talked about that a lot previously on a couple episodes 
Because if you're not specific with your goals, if there's no time frame, they float away, they kind of stay out there and <laughs> you don't get it done. It's so true. It's like you've got to put that date to it and then focus all of your attention on that too. Another thing you talk about, which I like, is a lot of people say you need an emergency fund, you need a savings fund. You call it the O-S-H-I-T fund. <laughs> I do. I do. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. That's usually what people say when they have to tap into that savings account. So yeah, it's something that I started to peg to try to make personal finance a little less serious. Sometimes we're like, oh, I need my emergency fund. And it just gets so, I don't know, just gaggy. And I get a little sick of all the normal jargon. So I try to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> so for you, is that fund uh -huh. fully funded emergency? Like how do you best think someone should go about saving up for a fund like that? Do you subscribe to the Dave Ramsey method if they're in debt? Do like a smaller $1,500 emergency mm -hmm. fund and then once they're out of debt, then work it up to three to six months? What do you think about that? Uh, good question. So with most people, I subscribe to some of Dave Ramsey's plan. I think the guy's amazing and has some really good advice. This is probably where I tend to differ with him on. I think that a starter emergency fund of like a thousand or two thousand dollars, whatever you're comfortable with, is okay. I don't know about you, but if I'm in debt and I'm looking at five or six years or maybe even ten years before I'm gonna be out of debt, there's no way a thousand dollars is gonna cover my life if something bad happens. So especially for anybody listening in, look at how long is it gonna take you to pay off debt. And if it's going to take you a long time, $1,000 is not going to cut it. That's just not enough money. One big emergency and you're in trouble and you're immediately going back to the credit cards. And so that's where I tend to think you should at least have enough for your insurance deductibles. I think that's a safe way to go. So how much is your car insurance deductible? How much is your medical insurance deductibles? So that way, usually if it's one of those types of emergencies that really will put you under and that can really hurt you financially, you can at least pay for those deductibles so it's not going to hurt you quite as much. I mean, $1,000 is fine, but yeah, it really just depends on how long you're going to be in debt for. Yeah, you know, I'd agree with that, and especially depending on where you live and your circumstances. So mm -hmm. if you have more dependents, if you have kids, if you have more things that can go wrong or the possibility of more things going wrong in your life because of whatever, you drive a car, you have kids, you have some other factors, then $1,000 really is a good start, but it's not that much money. It's better than nothing. And I think it's all moving towards the right direction. At least you have something saved. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it might make sense to bulk it up even more rather than focusing on just paying debt. And I mean, then it leads me to ask this question. So I get this question a lot from my listeners and readers. So they're in debt, but they want to start investing. And mm -hmm. so what are your thoughts on that? Should someone wait to invest and pay off their debt first? Or is it still a case by case situation? Totally case by case for sure. But my personal general rule of thumb is if somebody comes to me and they say, I want to start investing in my retirement, I've got $500 a month that I can put towards my 401k or my IRA. Instead, I will usually direct them to putting some of that money, most of it in general, towards their debt. Because when you're paying off debt, that's like a direct return for you. And if you've got a credit card that's like 24, 25%, you just saved yourself a lot of money. So, Debt 
and your interest also compounds just like your returns do, you want to be sure that you're not compounding in the wrong direction. So that's why typically I would say put it towards the debt. However, again, there's that rule of thumb. It's like if you are going to be in debt for a long, long time and you think you can push pause on your investing for six, seven years, 10 years, probably not a good idea. That compound interest is super powerful and you definitely need to be taking advantage of that too. So that's kind of where my cap is about five years. If it's going to take you longer than five years to pay off debt, you should probably still consider putting some money away towards retirement. You just don't want to miss out on all those gains that you could have later. Like you said, it depends on your age too. So if you are older, you can't really afford to continue to wait to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're 19 and you're like, oh gosh, I want to pay off my debt right now and I need to be investing and that's admirable. And I think that's amazing if a 19 year old is actually thinking about that, but it's not quite the same conversation as somebody that's 40, 45, starting late for retirement. That needs to be a bigger priority for sure. Mm, Right. Okay, so these are all great tips and general talking points, but can we just get a little bit more detailed in your personal finance journey? Yes. So you do Money Nerds, Whitney Hansen. That's not your full-time job, right? That's kind of like your entrepreneur, your side hustle? Uh Uh-huh, exactly the case, yep. You do still work full-time, so what are your financial goals? (laughs) That's a good question. So my personal financial goals are, I haven't officially let the cat out of the bag, but I'll share it with you guys. I will be transitioning out of my full-time job by May, so I'm really excited about that. Business is taking off, so transitioning out of that so I can focus primarily on this and have a more normal life, whatever that looks like. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if that's possible, but I hear it's a thing. So my personal goals right now is to, yes, get out of the job, free up some of my own time. Through my entrepreneurial journey, I push pause on my fitness stuff. So I used to be like huge into bodybuilding and weightlifting. And through that journey and through just the two different jobs, it was really taxing. So that was one of the things that I gave up on a little bit, which is not a good idea, guys. Mm -hmm. And so my goal is to get back into my shape and feeling good about myself and feeling confident. And then financially, I'm just saving up for a new car. I'm trying to pay for a car with cash. I haven't had a car payment since 2007, so I'm really excited to upgrade my car right? and have something that's kind of, I don't know, just different. And so that's one of my own personal goals. Uh, real estate investing is something I'm definitely working towards. And then from a business perspective, I'm trying to reach 100,000 women directly in the next two years, which is going to take a lot of work, but that's what I'm working towards. So I'm pretty excited about all of those things. Right. And those all sound exciting, but I will tell you... The thing that most piqued my interest is the fact that you said you were transitioning out of your full-time job next May. And my listeners, they know that is my goal. I still work full-time. I'm doing Journey to Launch on the side, but it's like a second full-time job. Yeah, yeah, it's never a side hustle. You know how that is. (laughs) I do. Then you add the kids and the husband and just life (laughs) and (laughs) it's a lot. So how are you preparing to make that transition? Are you making sure you have an emergency fund or... Are you trying to replace your full-time income or more? Like, what are your trigger points for making this work by May of next year? Yeah, that's something that I've struggled with for a long time, too, is like, when do you make the leap? How do you even know? And so for me, I have been at this stuff, the online piece, since 2013, 2014, maybe. So I've been at it for a little while. And that's one of the things that people don't quite realize is 
when you're working in the background, nobody is seeing what you're putting out into the world all the time. So I've been at this stuff for a long time. And one of my personal beliefs is that you should never just jump ship unless you have a pretty good idea that it's going to work out, especially if you care about your financial life. And for me, I'm an independent woman. I got to make sure I've got my finances in order. I don't have a husband or a boyfriend or anybody to lean on. We're very much separate in our financial lives. And so I've got to be sure that I can take care of myself. So it's been three years in the making before I felt comfortable and confident that my income is going to stay where it is. It's not going to decrease. It's to the point now where my business makes much, much more than my full-time job. And it just makes sense at this stage to go all in. And I think one of the things too, is people think that if you're making six figures in your business, that you're killing it. However, when you take out taxes and expenses and health insurance and all of that stuff, it's actually not that great of money. (laughs) So (laughs) it was something I had to really work towards. And I like that you talked about how much work you put in, because like you said, there's a lot of things happening in the background. There's a lot of hours and late nights spent kind of pouring into a side hustle or something that you want to start. So I know, too, I have a lot of listeners who either they have businesses or they want to start businesses and they hope to one day do that business full time. So these are all the things that you got to think about. You're going to have to kind of just sweat it out and grind for a couple of years to make it happen. I think it's the safest way to go. And if financial security is important to you like it is to me, that was something that I had to do. And then to touch on the second part of your question, you mentioned like emergency savings. What is that looking like? I have a 12-month personal emergency savings, but I'm being a weirdo and I'm actually boosting up a business emergency savings as well. So essentially, I'm super paranoid. So if things just tank completely, I know I've got enough to cover my business expenses for a few months too. Because being an entrepreneur is a roller coaster. Some months are really great. Some months you're like, oh man. So being able to buffer that too and not feel so tied and desperate for income, I think is one of my big goals with my business too. Right. No, I like that a lot. I like thinking more deeper about what you actually need to survive on in case something does happen and you, you know, things are not inflowing as much as you thought. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it happens a lot. There's some months where right now, it's pretty busy, ironically, but New Year's is crazy for personal finance people, you just get super, super busy. Because everyone wants to change their life um, starting (laughs) January. (laughs) That's right. It's like, here's my New Year's resolution. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) You're spot on. You and I, we're gearing up for that. We're excited about that. But then, you know, it gets to like May, June. People are not really paying as much attention anymore. They just spent all their tax refunds. So they're still having a little bit of a good time. So it's just totally different world. It's very cyclical. Right, right. You gave a lot of just great tips about your journey to paying off debt and then even just a student loan debt hack that I actually never heard about. So that was a good tip. And then just your entrepreneurial journey that you touched on just now, I think. That's going to be very helpful to some people listening. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. I sure hope it helps someone. If I can save them all the years of despair that I went through, (laughs) hopefully it helps. (laughs) Right. So how can people find out more about what you do? Where can people find you? Yeah, the best place is WhitneyHanson.com. So that's kind of where I hang out almost every day. That's where you would also be able to check out the podcast. And that's pretty much where I'm at. All right. And also, I should mention this, that so my listeners and my supporters, my journeyers, I'd say, they were rooting for me for the Plutus Awards. They nominated me. For sure. For sure. So everyone, Whitney was the amazing girl who took home the Best New Personal Finance Podcast Award. So I'm just excited that we're collaborating. She's on this podcast. 
But yeah, I was just so excited. I'm sure everybody nominated wanted to win. <laughs> but it was nice because we had a little connection before. So I was like, oh, yeah, Whitney, go Whitney that you did win. So congrats to you again. It's so tough. Yeah, it was tough because all of the podcasts, I'm like, God, I love them all. That's a tough <laughs> decision. So good luck, guys. <laughs> right, right. So thank you so much again, Whitney, for coming on, sharing your expertise. And thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Thanks, Whitney, so much for coming on again. If you want the episode show notes, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 29. And of course, you can get in touch with Whitney by going to her site, WhitneyHanson.com, or checking out her podcast, The Money Nerds Podcast. And I really hope you also picked up from her interview how much of a hustler she is. And I say this often, that if you are in that mode, of whether it's paying off debt or you are past the debt payoff mode, you want to reach financial freedom and independence. And so you are working to build up your assets. You are going to have to do things that probably most people or other people in your surrounding vicinity are not doing. You're going to have to possibly give up some things give up some expenses that you enjoy, work a bit more. It's going to take some effort, right? And so I think you kind of heard that in Whitney's story that she really hustled to get to where she is in terms of having no debt and even hustling to get her business going and successful. Now, I wanted to just touch a bit on the CBS segment. Some of you guys are local in New York. Some of you guys are not. And so if you did not get a chance to see the segment, you can go to the episode show notes at journeytolaunch.com slash episode 29. I'll be sure to link it there so you can watch it. But it was definitely an interesting experience because most of you guys know I'm on News 12 every week, which is a local New York channel every Wednesday. And so when I first started Journey to Launch, I had no clue, no inkling that I would ever really be on TV or doing these kind of things. And so as I started getting more into it and I got these opportunities and I pitched myself to do things, I was like, wow, I actually can do this. So News 12, it's not like I'm unfamiliar with being on TV, but News 12 is local and not everyone in New York has News 12 because it's only on Spectrum and Optimum, I believe, and it's only on News 12 Brooklyn and News 12 Bronx. So while the exposure is there and people get to watch me there and it's online, it kind of still feels like, you know, not everyone knows me. It's like only a select few of New York sees me. And so when the CBS thing was happening, I was a bit more nervous because while I'm on TV a bit every week, CBS is like a whole nother animal because it's CBS New York channel two, like everyone has channel two. And one of my main concerns with just journey to launch is that I don't talk about it at my job. It's just something I keep separate. And so I guess my biggest fear was that while I want more exposure I want to be out there more so I can grow Journey to Launch. I also am a little afraid of what happens if people at my job find out. Now, it's not to say that I don't think they'd be supportive of it, but it's just a personal preference that I keep things totally separate. And so when I found out that this CBS thing was coming out, which I had shot actually last year. So I shot the CBS segment late October. It was on Halloween that I shot it. And so this thing finally comes out now. It's the new year, 2018. And I'm just like, oh, okay, it's coming out. What if more people see this? Like, what's going to happen? And so I was kind of like creating a big to-do in my head. I don't know. I was thinking of the worst case scenarios. And it's funny because all that happened and the CBS segment aired. And it was like expecting some big explosion. And it was like a little pin drop. (laughs) It wasn't even that big of a deal, really. There was no fallout. I did not die. I'm okay. (laughs) 
In fact, some people at my job did see it. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who, at my job who've seen it and have not said anything. But there have been a couple of people who have said, hey, I think I saw you on the news. I'm like, me? Are you sure it was me? <laughs> I do say, yes, it was me. But still, I just say it was me. I was talking about my saving story. But really, I was actually really happy after watching it. I was kind of just nervous on how I would come off. And while you shoot these segments, you don't know how they're going to edit you or what you're going to look like on camera. But I was really proud or I was really happy that they really just focused on the fact of my husband and I saving and just the tips that I was giving of how we did it. So I just like that it really profiled the whole saving story. It was really direct. It was really short. And so I was proud of what it came out to be. And so, yes, people that know me saw it. And I definitely wasn't, I would say, embarrassed or I just didn't have any negative feelings about it like I thought I would. I thought I would, I don't know, walk away feeling like, what did I just do? I didn't feel like that. So anyway, I know that this is obviously going to happen more because I do feel like I'm on that trajectory of pushing myself, getting more out there. I mean, this is the point, right? I feel like I want to help more people. I want to bring this idea of financial freedom and independence to the masses. In order for me to do that, I need to get over myself a bit, right? I need to get over myself in the fact that if this is information that's worth sharing, which it definitely is, I need to be able to reach as many people as possible. And so if that means that I'm going to be on maybe more segments on TV or more national stuff, I need to embrace that and just go with it. And as Brene Brown says, dare greatly. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm daring greatly right now. So hope you enjoyed <laughs> that background if you cared. Again, if you want to see the segment, if you didn't watch it yet, I'll link it in the show notes at journeytolaunch.com slash episode 29. And once again, thank you so much for listening, joining me on this journey. You don't know how much I appreciate all your feedback, the reviews that I've gotten so far, the direct messages, just the comments on Instagram and Twitter. I'm telling you, this keeps me going. Don't stop doing that. <laughs> it really just makes me realize that you guys are out there listening and you're getting information from it. And it makes all the nights that I stay up really late worth it. Again, if you want to just leave me a review on iTunes, if you listen that way, go ahead, do that. I love that. And then, of course, if you want to follow me on all social media, I'm at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And oh, also, don't forget to join the private Facebook group. All right, guys. So I will chat with you next week. Bye. Bye.